0: Come on. The time is right. The time is now. Welcome to Lifeblood. Be well and welcome our guest, the strong and powerful Paul Salter.
1: George, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, excited to have you on. Paul is a registered dietitian. He is a coach, an author, a sustainable weight loss expert, strength trainer, and the host of the Screw the Scale podcast. Again, excited to have you on. Paul, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, I,
1: I'm going to dive right into the do, why I do what I do, and it's because I think like most people here listening, at one point or another... We've all tried a diet, and I realized through my own experiences that when I finished a diet, I had no freaking clue what to do when it came to trying to return to a sense of normalcy. You know, I made all these swift changes for, you know, 60, 90 days, and then all of a sudden, the only thing I knew after the fact was what I had done was not sustainable, and the only habits I knew to fall back on were the ones that led me to being in an unhappy, unfulfilled pl- uh, position in the first place. So I love to really help people solve that challenge of redefining a sense of normalcy for life after a diet so that they can sustain all of their success, but most importantly, feel, look, and be the best version of themselves.
0: Nice. That's what it's all about, right? Feeling, looking, and- being the best version of ourselves?
1: Absolutely. Like in, in any realm of life, whatever the goal is you're seeking, there's always really a feeling that's behind that goal that you're truly seeking. And if you can identify that feeling, man, it can be powerful and really aid in your quest to get there.
0: Is it, is it worth talking about why so many of us struggle with this? I don't know what the stats are, but it seems like half of us are, are overweight.
1: Yeah. I think I think it really is. So, so here's the, one of the most interesting stats. Let's assume tens of millions of people diet every year, which is true. I just don't know the exact figure. Within 12 months, 85% of people regain that weight. Within three years, that number creeps up to 95%. But what's even more alarming is three years after dieting, a, a roughly 50% weight even more before or compared to when they first started that diet so I always like to say you know we, we get so much talk in the media that America has this obesity epidemic this weight loss problem when the fact is the average person diets four times per year the average person is pretty darn good at losing weight we have a weight maintenance problem and that's where I, I really realized many years ago that there was a huge gap in the education the support the resources to help people sustain their progress but When you take a step back and look at it, it totally makes sense. We've got this billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar weight loss industry. Why in the world would they help their customers maintain their results? They would lose so many repeat customers, therefore they'd run out of money.
0: That's funny. It makes all sense in the world. I was literally just writing about how I'm interested in having my clients fire me. I'm interested in having people become financially successful so so they don't need me anymore. Uh, So they can be sustainable and they don't need to hear about... Going on a budget or whatever that might be, we're essentially talking about the same thing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, and I, I imagine it's for a lot of the same reasons that the deck is. Do you, I feel like the deck is kind of stacked against us with the opportunity to buy things with one click on the internet, and it's getting easier, and ads follow us around. And everywhere I drive, there's a delicious chicken sandwich on every corner. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a lot easier than it ever has been to p- to purchase something that creates an opportunity to develop tunnel vision and a very short-sighted goal. And if you know, think of the advent of social media and how it's conditioned us the past 10, 15, 20 years, we want our results yesterday. And we get extremely high on these dopamine rushes with motivation and focus because we see people with the six-pack abs, you know, the bikini models, this, that, and the other. And we want that too. And as human beings – We're quite resilient, we can be quite focused and disciplined for a short period of time. So why not completely flip our life upside down for 30, 60, 90 days to reach this goal? The problem we encounter is what do we do on day 91? We never have a plan of that. We never even think about that because we become so consumed with this short-term goal that it prevents us from seeing what lies ahead. And it's what lies ahead that we should actually be focusing on first.
0: Yeah. I like it. So I can I can gut out ninety days. I can put my head down, run through walls or whatever, yeah. just, just eat eat wood chips for, 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 for ninety days and <laughs> you know, I, I lose X I, 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 I lose that twenty pounds that I've been carrying around for two years and I'm ready. I'm pumped. But then yeah, then then then, then that's it. I, I love the the tunnel vision um sort of analogy and 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 how we're really good at that is it is it just a lack of having a plan is it there's psychology behind looking at you know my life o- over the course of years versus that short increment it's probably all of it,
1: it it's absolutely all of it and one of the major th- variables I've really observed you know for however long I've been doing this for is that, We as humans are very guilty of shiny object syndrome, and a diet is quite sexy, enticing, exciting. You know, every time you're stepping on the scale, you're seeing a new lower number. You're seeing changes in the mirror. At some point, you know, we are doing this for vanity purposes. So you're just completely overwhelmed with dopamine, more dopamine, whereas in life after a diet diet, like what I like to call it post diet maintenance phase, it's pretty monotonous, it's pretty boring, it's really unsexy, and as a result, we get bored relatively quickly, so we start looking for the next thing, or, which happens actually very commonly, is we develop some sense of self-sabotaging behaviors to ultimately create a situation in which, oh, we have to go diet again, therefore we can get that, that high, that rush we felt and experienced previously, because the brain is craving that. And what's so hard is we just like the excitement, and therefore, it becomes that much harder to to tackle the sustainable aspect because it's not nearly as exciting.
0: Fascinating. What popped into my head, whether it's right or wrong, I popped into my head is is when when a woman gets pregnant and goes through the pregnancy. Uh, it's this whole new world of attention, and then there's a baby, and there's this newness, and then oftentimes, you know, people want to get pregnant again to uh to to kind of get that experience and maybe that's the worst metaphor ever and insensitive um but that that's kind of what popped into my head it certainly does make sense everything you laid Mm -hmm. out that the post diet phase is just it's it's boring so there are opportunities or our brains want and crave that again so we self-sabotage to try to get it again got it so so how do we make it stick
1: Yeah. So we have to do the dirty work or the hard work first. And one of the biggest mistakes people make when trying to lose weight is they do in fact dive into a diet, a calorie deficit first head on. And what often happens is we outsource our nutrition knowledge to fad diet A, B, and C. And that fad diet in particular will ask us to flip our grocery routine upside down, alter our grocery list, alter our meal prep habits, or maybe we don't even have one, but we are stretched outside our comfort zone and and asked to develop all of these new skills on the fly which is incredibly stressful but then to make matters worse the calorie deficit the diet in and of itself is a physiological psychological emotional stressor so we've just stacked our plate with a million and one stressors which is not a recipe for success so rather than doing that We wanna take a big step back, doing everything through the lens of sustainability and focus on building what I like to call a foundation of healthy eating habits that checks three boxes. The first one being individualization. You know, if you wanna eat six times per day or twice per day, doesn't matter to me. You need to find a, a routine that is unique to you. Second box we need to check is simplicity. We don't need to be doing advanced calculus to figure out our portions. Keep things simple. And then thirdly is that box of sustainability again. And the easiest way to address that point is asking yourself, can I eat in this manner for the next 50 years for the rest of my life? And the answer should be a resounding yes. And when, you know, there's a series of steps and questions I go through when I work with people to help build this framework. But at the end of the end of it, the output that we receive is a framework that, will really serve them the rest of their lives. And yes, at some point we'll look to adjust portions and whatnot to meet the short and long-term goals, but the framework remains the same. So I'll have my clients spend anywhere from eight to 12 weeks just practicing, building repetitions, consistency, competence, and confidence with this framework in the absence of a calorie deficit so that when they are eight, 12 weeks later, they're extremely comfortable and confident, second nature in this approach to eating, the calorie deficit stress that is then put on their plate doesn't seem nearly as great and dire, and they're able to find that the dieting phase is easier than ever before, and they don't have to change anything except the amount of food on their plate.
0: I love it. I love it. That that, 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 that really makes sense to me. I'm fond of saying that that you need to make this real. It's it's just got to fit into your life, what whatever it is, and that's really what one of the key things that you're driving at, so making sure that this is individualized to you. That, that was a question that I had. Um, I mean, it's obviously there's there's big industry around um, new new kinds of diets, if it's keto or the carnivore diet or I'm vegan or whatever, and that there's an identity to it, and and it's 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 my team. So that's a whole nother rabbit hole will anything work as, as, as long as you're sticking to it? To a
1: point, I think so. But the biggest problem we run into is what is our own definition of sticking to it? Mm. How does, where are we drawing the line between consistency, perfection, balance, sustainability, and how long is sticking to it in our own mind? Is it the 90 days, the 12 weeks, or is it truly a lifetime of sticking to it? At the end of the day, there's a million and one different ways to lose weight. Whatever label we want to call this type of way of eating is really irrelevant. At the end of the day, you're simply eating fewer calories than you are burning. You create the calorie deficit necessary to drop body fat. You're, you should do this for an eight to 10-week period, maybe up to 12 weeks, and then you should increase the amount of food you're eating to help you recover from all of the diet induced adaptations that your body experienced. But at the end of the day, yeah, a million and one different ways to lose weight. Regardless of the label, you need to stick to a sustainable, simple approach.
0: All right. So when, when I am in a calorie deficit, is a calorie deficit required to lose weight? It is. Okay. So we'll, 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 we'll put that on the table as this is, this is essential. If I'm interested in losing weight, it's gotta be there. And so then, then when, when I'm doing that for whatever that period of time is, my body is now operating differently And so I need to then, for lack of a better term, land the airplane and have a successful departure from that calorie deficit, which I imagine is really hard for me to do on my own without a plan. And that's really what we're talking about. And then is it a function of now that I've transitioned from the deficit to a a new baseline, then it's a different stage moving forward?
1: I loved your airplane analogy. I just want to give you kudos for that. Thank that you. was a Thank fantastic you. way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, so the biggest thing we got to remember is our body does not want to diet. And calorie deficit is a major, like I said, physiological, emotional stressor. So when we do enter a calorie deficit, I like to equate our body to you know a UFC or a mixed martial artist uh, fighter. It's going to punch, kick, try to tackle you to get you out of that diet. And the way that it does that is – you know, your energy starts to dip. It begins to conserve the number of calories you expend on a daily basis. Your hunger and craving skyrocket. Your ability to feel satiated or full is incredibly challenged. So all of these physiological and psychological adaptations take place to try to kick you out of that calorie deficit. And the longer we diet, or the harsher our calorie deficit, the more pronounced these changes become. And what happens is when we do make the transition, assuming we have a great well thought out plan in place to the post-diet maintenance phase, unfortunately, those adaptations don't just go away just because you've declared I'm not dieting anymore. They All done. Linger. <laughs> <laughs> they linger for a while. And that – I honestly would say the first four weeks after a diet – is probably going to be harder than any part of the dieting phase other than maybe the last week or so because what you've done is you've brought your food back up a little bit but now you have flipped a switch. You are no longer in the quote diet mindset so it's psychologically like a little reprieve like it's oh my gosh I'm not dieting. I can I can have a little bit more wiggle room, give myself a little longer leash and what happens is. We still have all of those hunger, cravings, fatigue. We're eating a bit more, and now we're just more excited to eat even more. So it's a very vulnerable period for us. But if we can weather that storm until we make yet again another increase in portions, things begin to become a lot easier. Those diet-induced adaptations begin to restore themselves to a sense of normalcy, and you'll be well on your way to being able to feel much better, bring your energy up, control your appetite, while also maintaining the weight you did lose.
0: Yeah. I love it. So many different things. I mean, I, 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 I'm fond of talking about community and how important that is, and whether we think that Weight Watchers is a good thing or not. Um, I, I, I feel like that there is an accountability aspect to it. It's just you, you don't want to go to the Weight Watchers for the rest of your life. So how do you find that kind of accountability of somebody to, to, to give you resources and to support you along the way? Um, and then, um just and and, and then the actual technical or, or rather tactical, so how do I make sure that I know how to cook food how uh, i mean so there's there's all these different elements,
1: yeah, yeah, and you're gonna find that you know. Consistency with your nutrition is a big skill in and of itself. We can think of that as the big umbrella term for the many skills that you'll need to learn to feel, look, and be the best version of yourself. Cooking being one of them. Finding a, a way of exercising or movement that makes you feel good and one that you're bound to do consistently. Time management, organization, prioritization. If you live with others, your significant other children, delegation. Execution. There are so many different skills that living a healthy lifestyle requires and it can be, to be honest, quite daunting or overwhelming at times. So that's why it's really important to begin with just one area. Focus on the area that's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck, the biggest return on investment and start small. Seek out those tiny wins. Those tiny wins are gonna reinforce the behaviors you have committed to. And then we start stacking those wins, building positive momentum, and then we can step out into another skill. And then we continue down this trajectory. We just continue to refine more and more skills, add more skills to our tool belt, and we become, you know, that much more successful, happier, fulfilled, leaner, whatever it is we're seeking.
0: Can anybody do this?
1: Everybody can do this.
0: It's available. I'd like to it's available. Financial success is available to anybody. Having a healthy lifestyle is available to anybody, um, but it's a story of commitment.
1: It is, and here's the thing, too. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is they try to outsource too much of their nutrition. Hmm. And me- meaning, you know, from the age of five or six, we develop a pretty good understanding of the difference between healthy food, not so healthy food, appropriate portion sizes, and flexibility versus eating like a complete crazy person. And rather than trying to just outsource, outsource, outsource. I just encourage people to trust their knowledge. And if you're unsure where to start, the best thing you can do, get a blank piece of paper, log your food, honestly, non-judgmentally, just for five days. And when you're done, just review what you have eaten, what you have consumed. Chances are you're gonna spot some patterns or trends that necessitate a little bit of your attention and energy. Might wanna make a couple of changes based on how you felt those five days. And stick with one area, Make a positive change. Again, trusting your own knowledge and see the positive impact it has on your energy, your appetite, how you're feeling, and then repeat the process.
0: That's a really good one right there, Paul. Probably, maybe should have saved it. The people are ready for that difference-making tip. (laughs) What do you have for them?
1: (laughs) Yeah, to the difference maker, (laughs) my, my one just, if anyone takes anything away from this, if you're trying to rebuild your relationship with food, I'm going to challenge you to stop viewing foods as good or bad and rather instead reframe this viewpoint to view every time you eat as an opportunity to fuel yourself. Food is purely fuel at the end of the day. It's a fuel physically for us. But it is also fuel psychologically. So when we stop labeling food as good or bad, no longer is anything off limits. Some types of fuel I like to call premium fuel are going to make us feel better. And we should encourage ourselves to gravitate towards those more often because like we, we talked about in the beginning of the show, behind every goal is really just a feeling we're chasing. We're not seeking a number on the scale. We're chasing the feelings associated with it. You know, accomplishment, confidence, joy, certainty, clarity, energy, well-being, etc. So Stop viewing foods as good or bad. Focus on the ones that make you feel the best more often. And when you do focus on those regular sources of fuel, indulge intentionally. Be present. Enjoy every bite and enjoy every moment. And then simply get back on track, focusing on the premium fuel, free of guilt, free of anxiety, and trusting that you can get right back into your groove of consistency.
0: Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets come on. Come on. That's powerful stuff right there. Paul, I love that. Stop thinking about food as good or bad. We're putting too much on food. Food is just food, uh-huh. right? <laughs> the burger's like, come on, man. I'm just, I'm just a cheeseburger. It's not good or bad. Just eat me. <laughs> yeah, come on. I love it. Well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you?
1: yes so since they are fellow podcast listeners check out the screw the scale podcast if you have any interest in either sustainable weight loss or what you can do to feel look or be a better version of yourself it's a great resource and then connect with me on instagram at paul salter coaching you'll get to just simply learn more about me who i am the energy i bring what i'm passionate about if my messaging and the entertainment i put in the stories or the, the dog pictures and videos i put in the story resonates with you connect with me reach out say hi and let me know if i can serve or support you in any way
0: love it well if you enjoyed this much as i did show paul your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas check out the screw the scale podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and find paul on instagram at at paul salter coaching and that's p-a-u-l-s-a-l-t-e-r coaching and uh, check out all of this great content thanks again paul
1: thank you george i appreciate it
0: and until next time Keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.